You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. Well, I'm I'm so excited for this uh, last week of our series here, End Goal. Uh, I was able to be up here last week and and share some things. And um, last week, I asked the question to everybody, uh, where is your focus this fall? I asked, where is your focus this fall? What are you putting all of your intensity, all of your focus in? This fall, and we talked about how in Philippians chapter 3, uh, Paul talks about how uh, this, the same word that he uses for persecuting the church um, is used for pressing on towards the goal of Christ. And so um, we kind of talked about how in the same focus, the same intensity that we have for the things of this world, we should be putting in uh, after following Jesus. And so, um, and we've been talking about kind of sports in this in this series and uh, sporting sporting events and sporting activities in the church have not always uh, really gotten along. Uh, we haven't really always had the best relationship, right? I, I even think of my own um, personal playing career in high school, and and our coaches would never ever give us practice on a Sunday night or a Sunday morning. And then no day is off limits for high school sports nowadays. Um, so today we're going to be talking about on some practical ways of how sports and how the church can kind of uh, reconcile. And so I want to start uh, this morning um, by reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 24 through 27. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone runs aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Like I said, today, we're just going to talk practically. We're going to talk practically about how to run the race um, for the, the everlasting prize, not for the, the crown the, the crown that will, will leave us, right, the, the, pri- the, the gold medal, I mean, the crown that will last forever, that is a, a life everlasting in Jesus. So I'd say with me I have my dad, uh, Steve Anderson, and he is uh, currently uh, serving with Athletes in Action at Grand Valley State University. He has uh, worked with the wrestling team at the University of Michigan. He's worked with um, dozens of, of high school programs across the state of Michigan, I've uh, been a coach to some football teams and was my little league coach. So this is Steve Anderson. Can we just give him a round of applause? He hates that I'm doing this. But. <laughs> cool. Just to uh, kind of get started here this morning, I just wanted to ask um, if you could choose one sport to, to watch or play forever. Wrestling. Wrestling. Okay. Wrestling. Actually, what's funny, that, that passage that Paul talks about, you know, wrestling was one of the original Olympic sports. Wrestling and running. Running's dumb, but wrestling. <laughs> Sorry, Blake. I got my own bit, too. Yeah. Yeah. But wrestling, there's that strive, there's that strain, there's that tension, there's that power, there's all those things. That's why I love the sport of wrestling. Real wrestling. WWE's okay, but real wrestling. Yes. 
true. That's probably why you can go to the kids' ministry and watch all the kids killing each other back there. Yeah, if you think about it, we don't have to teach each other how to wrestle, right? If you, if you had little kids, it takes about four seconds for them to look at each other. Like, all right, let's go, right? I mean, the, it's just a natural thing in this is to wrestle and take someone else down. Awesome. Right? Brad, you wrestled this morning for you. <laughs> Brad wrestles little kids, just so you all know. <laughs> I'll show you some moves. You can take down dad, okay? I'll show you some moves. Uh, that's funny. Uh, the next, next question is, uh, when did you first get into sports? So like a lot of us, was the t-ball thing, right? That seems to be all of our first sport. And, and for some reason, I love, I mean, I love baseball. I, I loved it growing up. Uh, but then something happened like fifth or sixth grade. I grew up and out. And I knew I was probably no longer a baseball player, but for sure, t-ball and baseball were my, my first sports. I love, I still love the sport. Um, I love watching it. I love being around it, and actually did coach Josh for a few years in it. Awesome. Um, the next next thing I wanted to ask is, how did you find your calling into sports ministry? Yeah. So um, my wife and I, we actually attended Kenwood Community Church for about um, 16, 17 years, I believe, and. Um, when we first moved to West Michigan from East Michigan, uh, we did start searching for churches, and we just happened to buy a house in Kentwood, uh, which happened to be um, our, our neighbor in, in back of us was this dude named Wayne Schmidt, who just happened to pastor this church in Kentwood. And I know my wife went one night. I was out of town. But what drew me to that church more than anything was they had two softball fields. <laughs> and they had a gym in their building. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And so, very long story, very short, that's kind of what drew me into sports ministry, just how those things can exist and coexist and actually build upon one each other, yeah. Awesome. How did you uh, start to get involved with Athletes in Action? And Well, I started with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, if you've heard of that, FCA, a gentleman by the name of Rock Campbell, who actually just retired you know, a couple of days ago. Uh, he was the state director here in West Michigan, and we met. And if you would think, I wish I had a picture of Rock. His, Rock Campbell, his name's Rock. R-O-C-K is his name. That's his given name, by the I mean, that's a bulldog name. He's like 5'2", 100 pounds. It's kind of funny, but but the dude is a rock, and, and he... Um, kind of introduced me to the sports ministry, the chaplaincy part of it. And um, that was in 2009 that that happened. Awesome. Where did God kind of lead you from, from there? So the first thing I also at that moment, at that time, I was working at KCC with the youth um, uh, ministry. I've been involved in youth ministry since 2000. And uh, from there, I knew some of the athletes from East Kentwood High School. And so we kind of got together and talked, what if we launched FCA at East Kentwood High School? And from there, it kind of grew and kind of spread to different schools. But the very first thing that I did in sports ministry was FCA at East Kentwood. Awesome. Well, I have a question now um, that I think everybody wants to know is, is does God care about sports? <laughs> does God care that Michigan won yesterday, <laughs> 51 to 7? And then Notre Dame lost. Even more of that will blow your mind, right? Yes, yes. Um, this is from a sports guy, by the way. I, I have a little bit of a passion of sports. My, my trips, I plan around sport. No, I'm sorry. No, I do. I actually plan my trips around sports. Josh will uh, be my witness to that. If I know I'm going out of town 
first thing I do is go online. Is there a minor league team there? Is a football team there? Is there a college there? And I will find anything to go to that relates to sports. I'm a sports guy. Guess what? God doesn't care about sports. He cares about what we do in the sport, how we treat sports. Where do we put sport in our life? Is it between him and me? Soon as it becomes right here, it's between God and I. It's an idol. And that's a sin, right? He actually didn't care that Michigan won. He really didn't care that Michigan State won this week, and he really didn't care about that one, right? Um, but he does not care about sport. It's, it's another vehicle in which that we can glorify him for sure. And that's what he cares about, what's going inside our hearts. Yeah. Um, how, uh, how have you seen sports create uh, great things spiritually for students or for families? Yeah, well, one thing was your story of, of Cooperstown. Did you, did you share this story last week? I did not. Okay, good, because I, we, okay. So when you, Josh was 12, is that what it was? When Josh was 12, uh, he was on a travel team, which were full of believers. It was a really great team, and, and we took a trip to Cooperstown, New York, and uh, he played in a tournament. They have tournaments there every week, 100 and some teams every week of 12-year-olds. That's a lot of 12-year-olds. Um, but every week they have these tournaments. And one game, we played this team from Virginia, and they smoked us. And they smoked us. That's for reminding me, yes. Yes. And um, after the game, they did something that was pretty cool, is they asked Josh's team to come to the pitcher's mound and pray after the game. And they put the game in its perspective. They didn't do it out of gloating. They didn't do it out of, you know, we, we just kicked your butts, and now let's pray over you poor losers, right? They didn't do that. They said, let's pray because we are brothers in Christ. Let's pray because we are competing athletes. That game is now over. And let's put the game back in its right place, which is below our faith. And the cool thing with that, here's the cool thing, is Josh and his teammates kept that tradition going for at least the next six years as they, that team stayed together until they graduated from high school. Every game that they played, whether they won, and even more importantly, when they lost, the last out was recorded. It's over. It's done. Let's put it in perspective. And not just Josh's team, but there was, I think, three or four different high schools represented on Josh's team, from South Christian to Forest Hills Eastern to East Grand Rapids and, and even Caledonia. And, and in those schools, they would do it. And it just got me thinking, this team in Virginia has no idea that that tradition continued here in West Michigan. And it also got me thinking what other teams were doing this across the country because of that example that they set in Cooperstown. And do they set that same example in Virginia? Who did they learn it from? Did somebody do that to them? And that's just a great reminder to us, man. It, it matters. Not that we do it for show ever. It's never about show. Again, it's about the heart. It's about putting things in the right perspective and things in the right place. And that's not in front of us and God, for sure. Yeah, awesome night. I just think back on that story. Um, you know, our, our team was full of believers, and we, we did have a great group of, of guys and coaches. And um, I really do believe that uh, that day at Cooperstown really um, just changed the trajectory of that team and, and all the guys in that team. As we um, we went down as a team to Guatemala on a mission trip, like a baseball mission trip. We we uh, went to Guatemala City, and we um, were able to put on baseball camps for for little kids and share the gospel while we were down there. And I, I really do believe that, that the team for Virginia, like, sparked that in us, that sparked the, 
the open dialogue of, of faith in our in our team. So, and what a, what a cool thing that was for sure. Yeah. Um, the next uh, thing I want to ask is uh, how how can you how can those great things that we just talked about become warped over time and, and hurt students or families? Yeah, un, un, unfortunately, there is a kind of tougher side sometimes to sports and 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 I and I use terms differently, sport and games, and, and I keep those terms separate, right? For me, sport is pure, right? Sport is what teaches us the teamwork and the dedication and the discipline. That's what sport is defined as. Unfortunately, games are just, they're, they're part of sport, but games are where it, it gets kind of tough. Games are where it becomes prideful. Games are where, I mean, I'm, I, I'm just kind of mad sometimes because I don't cash some of those checks that, like, the Big Ten just got a billion-dollar payout here to, to broadcast their games, right? There's a lot of money in sports. I'll, let me say that again. There's a lot of money in sports, right? And guess what the root of that can sometimes lead, right? And, 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 and that's a huge thing, right? And I'm not saying don't sign a contract. Man, if someone throws a few million in front of me, you bet I'm signing that sucker with my blood-stained finger if I have to, right? Give me that money, right? To play a sport, absolutely, yeah, 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 right? And so I, I don't beat up guys for doing that. But again, it goes back to the heart. Unfortunately, we've seen so many, and I was social media too, we've seen so many videos of parents running after officials. We've seen families fighting over playing time. We see people just actually fighting at a five-year-old game because the ump called their kid out at third when, who cares, it's a stinking five-year-old game, you know, like, my goodness. And I love it, but... We all of a sudden we've turned sports or the games into something that it was never meant to be, right? And and it gets it gets nasty sometimes. We even see how sport can be used. Um, some of the the people involved in athletics use their fame and their their vehicle for maybe not the right purposes sometimes. Um, that's just a little eh, part about sports. Way more good, though. But we can see we're sin, and this is sin. This isn't people. This isn't things. It's sin that creeps in like it does everything else. Sin is what causes us, right? The, the infection of sin that we have in our lives is what causes these things to happen. Very true. Yeah, do you have maybe any, uh, maybe from your time from Romulus or um, at Michigan or, or even now at Cornerstone or Grand Valley, do you have any, like, stories where you've seen this played out and hurt a student or an athlete? Yeah, um, we have seen some, unfortunately, in, in the, especially in the college world, you know, some, some academic um, dishonesty, right? We see that every now and then. Um, others showing up for someone's exam because they need to pass an exam, and so other people kind of check in. And when you get into these big schools, um, there's, you know, 800 people in the classroom. The instructor doesn't know any of them. Then all of a sudden, someone's sitting in for someone taking the exam for them. You know, we do see these things, unfortunately. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's minimal, but we do, unfortunately, see those kind of things happen. Yeah. Um, how, how can families, uh, even like families here at New Life, uh, how can families integrate sports and faith? Yeah. So uh, being in, in youth ministry for so long and knowing a lot of pastors and kind of what spurred this whole um, two-week series, um, John Gorvett, Pastor John over at, or at uh, the center, actually, we talked about this before. And um, we know sometimes as pastors we get frustrated when families, especially in this summer or even during the year, um, 
and this is just what it is, um, maybe are gone a lot, especially in the travel sports world. That has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger over the years, where families are gone for, for usually weekends, and they're not here engaged with their, their church family. Um, we saw that in youth ministry more and more. Like Josh said, Sundays are no longer off limits to high school sports and practices and, and, and those types of things. And, and so we see attendance is declining. This is where I get in tr- Here's the part where I always get in trouble with the pastors, okay? This very next thing I'm about to say, okay? Um, <laughs> 9 or 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning in this building is not the only place that you're, you can be discipled and your children can be discipled. We do need each other. We need community, right? We have to be with each other, okay? <clears throat> but parents, especially parents, it's actually your job to disciple your children. It's actually not Josh's. Josh's resources he pours into, he will disciple them. But it's your job as parents to make sure that your kids are getting that. And sometimes it's going to be you, Right? And thus, you guys are still good, and Brad hasn't worked in how long, right? And you're still engaging, <laughs> right? Right? It's your job to do this, right? That wasn't a joke. <laughs> yeah. I never, you know, and this is more than sports, right? We have other things going on, especially, you know, for, for those of you with children, right? We have plays, we have band, we have um, um, science trips, we have all those things. And those things are all incredible. I love extracurricular. I, I'm an extracurricular at school guy. You know, yes, study, yes, learn math, um, learn English, learn all those things of which you will not use most of in your regular life. Believe I'm going to say that. And parents hate me for saying that. I don't care. You won't use most of the stuff you learn in school. But, man, the relationships that you form, those trips that you have with, with each other, man, those things are, are, are life-giving. Just having those times with your friends where you're either engaged in a, in a, a, a game or engaged in, in winning a, a science uh, affair or, or a great performance on stage of, of singing or whatever. And use each other to disciple. We'll go back to Josh's um, team, the West Michigan Express. We had... Bible studies within their team. And we were, it's not like we did things perfect and great, but we prioritized that over the game. And believe me, the games were important. They practiced hard. They trained hard. This, more important. This is more important. It's the most important thing is our faith. Yeah. Um, and just, just so everyone knows, I, when I did play, you know, fall baseball when I was in, uh, middle school and high school, and we had games on Sunday afternoons, and usually they're like 11 o'clock up in East Grand Rapids, and we did. We would go to church at 9 o'clock a.m. and book out of there, and so we, we like, church was still a priority, um, but we were also able to, to do other things, which was, which was cool. Um, one, more, one more question here. What is one caution that you would give to families kind of in this area of, of all things yeah. we can talk about? Yeah, one thing that I, probably my biggest focus with all of our athletes, is our identity in that sport. Um, we think of, um, especially the athletes that I work with in, in college, they're you know, 18 to 22-year-olds, and now with COVID, and they're 24-year-olds sometimes, they get more and more eligibility. But they've been participating in this sport since they were four years old. 
For 20 years, they were a wrestler. For 20 years, they played football, baseball, softball, volleyball, wherever it's for a long time, they did this sport. Here are some very sobering stats for parents, especially those of you with parents or, or kids in middle school or high school who hope your kid plays in college. And I, man, go for it. Get after it. Get nasty with it, man. Get, get, get into college. Here's a stat. 6%, 6% of all high school athletes will play at the college level, any college level. That's 6%. That is 6 out of 100. That's 3 out of 50. That's all sports, all colleges, all divisions, Division I, two, three, NAIA, NCCAA, FCS. All those colleges, only 3 out of 50 will participate at the next level. That means 47 out of 50 high school athletes, that's where their career ends, at that level. That can be sobering when you were counting on that. That can be sobering when that was the only way you are going to get into college or pay for college, and you were driving towards that, and it didn't happen. And all of a sudden, that identity is stripped, and sometimes you know it, sometimes you don't. I did not know when I walked off the wrestling mat for a final time. Most athletes don't. Most athletes don't know this is my final game. This is my final match. This is my final swim. Most of us, we didn't realize it until later. For me, the program, I wrestled up at Northern Michigan University. Um, the program was um, after two years. I didn't realize my career was over. I have a great story of a young man that I got to work with at Michigan, and his name was Tyler Messinger. He is from California. He was a 157-pound wrestler at Michigan, and he spent his first three years with injuries and, and just couldn't get into that starting lineup. And, and if you know Michigan wrestling, it's a very competitive team and a very competitive conference. Um, there's four guys at every weight class in Michigan that are legit guys. So Tyler had a hard time cracking that, that lineup. Well, his senior year, his last year, was the 1920 season, 2019-2020 season. And something happened to Michigan at 165, the next weight class up. Everybody got hurt. And so Coach uh, Bormet asked, Tyler, hey, do you want to bump up to 165 and, and wrestle varsity? Now, seven pounds for most of us is easy to gain, about three seconds, right? We go to a... <laughs> The, the taco joint down here, or we go wherever, and yeah, I got seven pounds. Yeah, easy, right? But to a D1 athlete that's trained, and seven pounds is a lot. 157 to 165, that, that, that's a lot of weight. Uh, but Tyler did it. 165 is a very tough weight class in the NCAA. I mean, think about these, because most of the guys weigh about 180, typically, and, and then cut down to 165, so they're stinking studs, man. They are Brick houses. Tyler had to go up to that class, and he did okay. He got his he got his his stuff handed to him a few times, but did okay. The Big Ten championships happened in, in at Rutgers, and Tyler had to place at least seventh to qualify for the NCAA's, and he lost his first match, which means you have to do what are called wrestlebacks. You have you get two losses, but he had to win like five in a row just to get back to seventh, and he did including three upsets, three guys that had beaten him before in the season, he actually beat at the Big Tens. And when he won that match between seventh and eighth place, he just was elated. 
He was so happy and proud of himself, man. It was great. And he did qualify for the NCAAs, which the next week we're going to be in Minneapolis where the Vikings play football, actually. They were going to have, you know, 80,000 people at this game. This was in the first week of March in 2020. Something happened the next week. We had our Bible studies every Wednesday. And Wednesday we had our Bible study. And um, that Wednesday they announced that it was going to be cut down to only 1,500 fans in this facility, and that was only parents. And Tyler and some of the guys were in my Bible study that had qualified. They're like, man, at least we get to wrestle. At least we get to still wrestle. Well, the day they were supposed to leave, the next day and Thursday, as we know, it got canceled. Tyler's career was over. He didn't realize that in Rutgers, in New Jersey, that's where it ended for him. But he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, you know, my goal was to make the tournament. My goal was to make the NCAAs, which I did. I didn't wrestle in them, but I made it there. And he understood that his identity in Christ doesn't change. Parents, if I can give you anything today, yes, do not let this be an identity for your children. That sports is not who they are. It doesn't matter if their hand is raised or not raised. It doesn't matter if we have a higher score than our opponent or not. Our, our relationship with God, our identity in Christ does not change. He doesn't love us any more, doesn't love us any less, whether we win or lose. He wants us to compete and compete hard. That's what that passage even says. We strive, we strain, we run to win this race. Yes, for a prize that doesn't last forever, but go get that stinking gold medal, man. Get after it. Something that I love about sports and ministry, God gives us gifts, right? Think about dudes like LeBron James, who is the second best player of all time. Sorry, behind MJ. Sorry. But most of you don't know who Michael Jordan is anymore, but he, he is number one, actually. Number two, LeBron James. God was showing off when he made dudes like him what they can do on the court. Think about Serena Williams, who's about to retire here. That woman smushes tennis balls like crazy, right? There's some... some beast athletes out there. I've got to meet some of these guys, man, that I, w I had the opportunity to work with two wrestlers that actually competed at the Olympics last year. One of them won a bronze medal. Miles Amin from, from University of Michigan won a bronze medal in the Olympics. The guy is a freak of an athlete. But they understand their identity is not in that medal. It's not in the NCAA championship. It's not in the All-American status. Parents, if we can get that, that it doesn't matter what happens to us on the field, mat, track, gym, court, anything? It doesn't matter as long as our heart's right. As long as we understand our identity in Christ never changes. Amen. And that's my, my encouragement to all, all of us. Cool. Yeah, and that, that even transcends just sports too, right? Like, it, like our identity is not in our schoolwork. Our identity is not in our, how we you know, do our plays or, or our instruments. Uh, so parents, it, it is out, even outside of sports world, like, our identity is only in Christ, and we got to make sure our students know that for sure. So, um, well, we wanted to close our time here this morning um, just by praying for anybody in the room who might be involved in a sport or uh, sports this upcoming year. Um, so, kind of how we wanted to do this is if you are um, if you are a parent of an athlete or an athlete in the room, or maybe um, even you just go like go to a gym, involved in a gym, maybe in Wayland or, or somewhere else. Um, if you could just stand up. Uh, in the room here? Coaches. Coaches, uh, uh, referees. If, if you play 
not golf referees. on the weekends, stand up. Like, if you if you are involved in sports in any way, slow pitch softball, whatever it is. Referees will get their own prayer later. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a gym membership and don't use it, no. Brad, you no. can stay sitting. Uh, well, I would just love that if you could just uh, close uh, just a prayer of commissioning for, for everybody in the room here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Father God, man, we do thank you for this gift of sports and athletics. And, and again, how we are, uh, so many of us are, are made to strive and strain and, and push ourselves in the arena of, of competition. And uh, no doubt that that's a gift from you. Um, even our love of sports can be a gift of, uh, from you guys. I, I think about even yesterday and this weekend as so many sit in packed stadiums and, and it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter if, what color you are, it doesn't matter what political party you're with, it doesn't matter uh, your gender or your gender identity, none of that matters. If you're wearing the same color shirt as I'm wearing, man, we are giving each other high fives and fist bumps every time our team scores and how that draws us together and how that, that um, and just brings us together, the arena of sport. And Father, I do pray for everyone standing here uh, this morning, God, whether they're an athlete, a coach, a trainer, um, or an official, or how they're involved in sports and athletics, God, that you get the glory for everything that they do because of the gift that you've given them. That when they work out, when they go over practice films, when they do their drills, when they compete on the actual game day, that you just sit back and enjoy the creation that you've created. Father, we do again thank you and want to honor you and give you all glory, honor, and praise for sport and for athletics and for athletes and for the things, again, that you give us. We want to give you all that we have when we're competing because you gave us all you had so long ago when you died on the cross for us. Father, we do thank you and love you. Let's ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.